Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WMR.FM. It's the uh, 17th of August, 2023. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. And um, it's August 17th. Like, if you live um, in some of the more southern states, your kids are back in school already. If you live in some of the more northern states, your kids are going back to school really soon. Either way, summer's over. It's mind-blowing how fast it goes. Please do yourself a favor. Get outside. Enjoy nature. Um, get away from the desk. Get away from the screen. I, I'm telling you, this is a mental health thing. A lot of us work alone, and there's a lot of stress in a lot of our lives. While you have summer and beautiful, beautiful weather to enjoy, please take the time to enjoy it. I say this every year, and I mean it every year. Hey, Christine, how you doing? How you doing this beautiful day? I'm doing good. In Vegas, we have two summers, so my second summer starts soon, and that's when I'll be able to go outside. <laughs> well, it's always it's although we've been lucky; we had monsoon season this year, so it's been just below 100. But before that, it was 115. It's a little toasty. Uh, so, yeah. Yes, you're right. You got to get outside. That is something people definitely got to be careful of. Um, the world is getting warmer and warm is actually getting more dangerous. So be awfully, awfully careful and stay, stay the heck hydrated. Um, but that just blows me away how fast summer goes every year we have. And again, maybe that's because I'm from a place that has incredibly short but intense summers. Um, but it all goes again. It goes so quickly. And earlier today, I was... Uh, looking at my calendar and in, in, in my train I saw 2023 and it, it just blew me away and occurred to me that we are almost at the 20th anniversary of kind of like the day the universe changed in um in SEO the uh 20 years ago in a couple in a couple months from now November 16th ish 2003 Google introduced what was called the Florida update which is actually an introduction of like the 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 the, the, the hilltop algorithm um but it was the first time google had introduced a major algorithm update and it threw the seo world on its head um it was the beginning of google understanding the web by comparing every document against every other document, not just the link profile of every document against every other document, but Google wrote out about how it was creating dossiers, life, lifetime dossiers on domains and the URLs within the domains and the relationships between all, all data points on those URLs with each other. Before that, they had done you know, like keyword relationships and, and uh, link profiles. So it was a fundamentally different way of looking at uh, relevancy, and it threw the SEO world off 
six weeks before Christmas. And this was back in a time when when Google made a change to its, its uh, index that could take a month um, for the next change to occur. And in fact, they, they occurred on a regular, fairly regular basis. So six weeks before Christmas and all through the house, all the rankings were gone. Yeah. And everyone I, freaked. It was the now worst I was, day. I was not in search at the time. I was in tech, not search. But I started the year after. But I, I, I do think it's interesting. I have a, a quote from Larry Page, not Google. Larry Page. Uh, that's actually that. pretty much the voice of Google back then. Yeah, back then. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's, that's like instead of Google's like PR team, right? It was Larry Page. But his quote was, the perfect search engine would understand exactly what you mean and give back exactly what you want. This update implemented certain filter mechanisms for a number of keywords resulting in massive change in website rankings on Google. The main goal of the Florida update was that Google search engine should deliver best quality results and the best match results to the user search request. Since there were a lot of problems with link spam and incorrect search results before the Florida update, Google planned extreme changes in their page rank algorithm in 2003. <laughs> extreme meaning, if I remember correctly, like people literally 90% lost, right? Like we're talking, we're talking like Black Monday, New York Stock Exchange, jumping off the ledge sort of loss. Um, we had, I think at, at the time I was working with Ross Dunn at Stepforth and we had uh, 25, 30 clients on the go and they were all doing pretty well because we were really, really good at what we were doing. And uh, it, was, it was straight up, it was much easier then. Um, yeah. And I came in that day. I was I was a head SEO at Stepforth. I came in and uh, the just decimation of God. Like the rankings were God. We still had some pages that were performing okay, but um, according to Google Analytics, I was like, "What the heck was it that we were measuring with?" I forget. It was it was some oh, form of urchin. urchin? urchin it could have yeah. been urchin again. Um, what was it though? Um, anyway. Uh, just tailspin everywhere. No, no, no. It wasn't even that. It was rank checkers that we were using. It wasn't even urchin. Oh, it wasn't even in the form of Google right. Analytics. It was rank checkers we were using. That's I don't right. Because I was measuring that stuff. I just wasn't doing SEO yet. So, yeah. And so, right. again, decimation gone. Rankings rankings tanked. Um, and this wasn't just Stepforth clients. This was everyone's clients. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's sort of like biblical, though, because as in the Bible, when, you know, God released the flood, he released a rainbow and said he would never do that again. Google yeah. said they would do a major update like that again right before Christmas because so, of the damage that occurred. So you're suggesting God lied. Because <laughs> in this case, in this case the great deity. The last, yeah, last five years or so, they have not been quite as good about that promise. Well, you know, they've, there's, there's been updates since 2003. There's been, uh, I mean, you know what? SEO Moz could n number the updates. I can't. I'm going to say innumerable, but check Moz because they've actually yeah. gone, gone and traced but, them. But when Matt was in charge, he did always say every year he would not do a major update between, I think it was like September and Christmas. And every All year they did. And they every did year they ended up doing it. They did. Come on. Tell me <laughs> they, did. they did. Check Moz. I thought they did smaller ones, though. Did they have big ones? Oh, no. They had huge ones, but, but nothing like Florida. Oh, yeah. 
again, maybe when Matt was saying we're never going to do another major update again with his little dinosaur hands, he was um, <laughs> he was actually saying we're never going to do another one as big as Florida again. And that's that's the size they were, they were relative might to. Be, yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, so people don't think you're just making fun of Matt. Matt did a whole video of him as a dinosaur with dinosaur hands. So. Indeed. Oh, he, he, used to, yeah. he used to often tuck his elbows in when sitting at a yeah. desk and explaining yeah. things. It always looked like he had dinosaur hands. <laughs> so um, then he made a video he had to make fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I would like to oh, go ahead, Craig. Well, uh, uh, the thing, okay, so Florida was really, um, for a lot of us, I think, Florida was Danny Sullivan popularized SEO um, and popularized working on websites in relation to what search engines wanted. That was in the, in the mid to late 90s. Then people like Bruce Clay and uh, uh, Mike Rehan and uh, the, the real old guard, um, uh, 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 Web Gorilla, uh, 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 Greg Bozer, um, Todd Friesen, those guys um, took what Danny was preaching and, and really made an art out of it. Ross Dunn was one of those guys. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's a small media, a small gathering around it but then florida hit and a few people started writing about florida and because it changed everything not just for seos but for webmasters in general they suddenly became interested in seo and that was the day that seo became um uber popular and let's just say like link spamming and buying links and all that back then was really common like it wasn't the thing that it is now where you just wouldn't do it because of all the history we have with what happens when you do that. So the things that you guys were doing, just really common ways to get your stuff to appear in search. Well, yeah. Um, although again, for, for what it's worth back then, link networks, you try, we were writing about relevancy and writing about the importance of uh, a hamburger stand probably shouldn't link to an auto shop because there's no relation <laughs> between the two of them unless you got a drive through. Um, but even that's a stretch. Um, you know, so there was there was responsible outright link spamming back then. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but it was like it was outright link spamming for sure. Yeah, in, it was, today, it was in today's crazy. eyes. But uh, uh, you know, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I thank Google for Florida. Like, honest to goodness, Florida made my career. And I think there was a few other people who could who can say the same thing. We were all writing about the greatest thing that had changed in Google in the five years that Google had existed in the public eye, and everyone in the world was interested. Well, you it know, was, that's probably why I heard about it, because I was doing front-end dev and design work, and I was working at a company, and I started reading about the Zessio thing, and that was around 2003, 2004. So, yeah, that was why it became so well-known, because before that, I had been in tech for a little while. I never heard of a company doing SEO, and I was uh, working building websites all that time. So, not that they didn't do it. I just think the company I worked for didn't, but it wasn't that well known until you're right, probably Florida. So, so I put up a thing on Facebook um, a few hours before going to air when it, this morning when it just it occurred to me. Oh my God, it's like 20 years now. Um, and Mike Rehan made a response, a long response about what happened, and SES was chugging along. It was very popular with. Uh, with SEOs and it was getting getting larger and larger. But Chicago happened December 20, 2003 and 
um, it's like it's like it's like the conference doubled in size because people were so freaked out about what happened with with the Florida update. Yeah, um, makes sense. Okay, the last point on it oh. was Brett Tabke named the Florida update after a PubCon conference he wanted to hold in Florida. Oh, okay, cool. If anyone uh, wonders so how that happened, I did. I did not know that. Um, well, real quick though, I would like to make one just just note. If anyone from Google ever listens to the show, you know, we know they do. Right? <laughs> These original algorithms were rolled out to catch people doing what Google didn't want you to do, right? Like spam, text, all that. So they're very severe. You know, hey, we're punishing you, whatever. Nowadays, the updates are pretty like obscure, like helpful content update. Like even as an SEO, I think I know what they're targeting, but not 100% sure yet. Um, you know, actually targeting. I know what they say they're targeting, but you know, until you see a site and recover it, you don't know for sure. Could we could we say to Google it's time to stop the 80 and 90 percent traffic loss? Like 40 to 50 percent would still get the message across, but all these mid-sized and small businesses I run across who had no idea any of this stuff existed. You know, they're not buying links, they're not spamming, they're not keyword stuffing, they're not, you know, using you know, spinner articles, you know, they have people writing stuff, they think they have a good site, you know, they're not over abusing ads, anything like that. And suddenly they wake up and they're 80% down, 70, 80, 90% down in traffic, and they can't recover until they fix it and it runs again. And we're talking six months, eight months. And for a small business, mid-sized business, that's a really, really long time. That's so that's pretty anyone, hard. That's a really hard thing, given how the deck is stacked against small business, just in the way yeah. the machine operates to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, from how to say this, not to defend Google exactly, but um, at least b before, if they didn't like what you were doing, they smushed you. They smashed you on purpose. They were like, hey, you bug, I'm going to smush you. And they yes. went about doing that. Today, they don't do that. What they do instead is they go, hey, Bug, you see the guy next to you who's doing the right thing? I'm going to promote them. And it's basically the same um, thing as getting smushed because people no, who are doing, because they're, <laughs> well, they ignore you and other people do well. Now, here's the problem with the idea of the SERPs. There's 10 blue links on the front page and we live in a, on a growing web. There's... 10 companies today and 100 companies tomorrow, all vying for the same placements. Um, yeah, but these, Google, are, these, are, these are smushes, like helpful content smushes you and keeps you in a sandbox for three months. Well, and that's, yeah, yeah, not, being, yeah. not being able to um, yeah. come out of, um, not being able to compete with your neighbor who is being rewarded for doing better gives, it, it is effectively putting a glass ceiling on top of you. Yeah, but in these cases, these are literally devaluations. They're not just raising people. When you get helpful content, they evaluate how many pages they don't think meet the requirements, and they give you the smush based on that. Then for three months, you're not allowed to recover. And then once you fix it after the three months, you might recover. So it, some of the algorithms I know do just promote, but there are some still that smush. And my, just my point to Google, if they ever listen to this, was just maybe we could do you know, lessen it to like 40 or 50%. So the, the mom and pop business, like one I have where he, supports his, you know, his wife has a disability on this one website, you know, isn't, you know, thinking they're going to have to sell their house because they got smushed, maybe 40%, you know, then they can still get income, you know, because they can't go buy a bunch of ads, right? That's not what they can do. So for the small, small to mid-sized businesses, I just think Google could maybe ease up on the non-spam smushes. So I like that word to use, smush, you know, like if it's not spam related, like you're buying links or something, 
um, you know, maybe we could ease up on how severe the smush is because that still gets the point across. You know, they still so, will fix it, but so, they're just so, not so far down. They don't know if they can survive. Well, again, I don't, I'm not sure how they would do that. They demote to like page two instead of page seven. Um, they demote, usually it's at the keyword level or the page level. So maybe, you know, when they put this, they put a dampener on. You can see it when the site's down. They can't get any big spikes. They have a dampener and that dampener is a certain percentage. So I'm just saying, however they do it internally, I'm just, just my message to the world right now. Maybe if it's not a spammy update, you know, it's just a regular helpful content or reviews or something, maybe they could be less punitive because, you know, I know why they didn't originally. People were doing things like, you know, TV on link networks and stuff, but that's not usually the case anymore. Speaking so, of uh, punitive throttling, um, yeah. now that you mentioned it, speaking of punitive throttling, uh, so... Twitter X is in our news stream a little bit more than I think we're gonna, anyone <laughs> ought to be comfortable with this week, but ain't that oh always gosh, the way with yeah. these guys. Okay, so, so what a petty thing, but um, apparently uh, on the uh, 14th, 15th, somewhere around there, um, Twitter started the practice of adding a five second delay when a user tries to click over to a bit.ly, a shortened link to somewhere like, I don't know, the New York Times, Facebook, um, someplace that uh, Elon Musk doesn't like. Uh, say you're going, I don't know, the NAACP or maybe Southern Poverty Law Center or somewhere like that, you're probably gonna get a five second delay if there was a shortened link going there. Um, that. <laughs> You know, the last time Elon hate throttled anything, he had to buy a new pair of socks. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> By the way, I know you hate covering this. I do too, but we do have to cover briefly the fight. Oh, come on. I want recognition for that. That was a good joke. It oh was a good God. joke. I laughed. That it was amazing. Laugh, right? okay. okay, so, I mean, somebody ought to punch both of them in the nose, I think. Well, actually, Zuckerberg, okay. You know, I'm not yeah, a bunch of those anyway. I'm not a big fan of Zuckerberg, but I mean, some of the stuff he's done. But, but he did put out a tweet this week that said, I'm just calling this off. I've given you a place, a time, a location. Someone will set it up. One of the MMA people I've got. Oh, no, the, Dana White, the. Yeah, Dana White, uh, that's right. I should know MMA that. MMA promoter. Right? I should know that. He was so, going to put it in Rome's Coliseum, for God's sake. Yeah. So. It must have said, oh, surgery. Oh, I might have to get surgery. So Zuck's like, forget it. I, this is no, no, ridiculous. He went even one further. Not only might he have to get surgery, he he, he went, can we have a practice session in your backyard? I mean, yeah, like, like, right. like wuss out or what? Yeah, but then, then, <laughs> Musk, being the five-year-old he always is, oh, that's an insult to five-year-olds, oh, now wants to go to Zuck's house to fight. Now, when last time Musk shot his mouth off stupidly like this, he created a verbal contract that actually trapped him into having to spend way too much to buy Twitter X, right? Yeah, is there any <laughs> judge in America? Is there any judge in, in the United States at all? I don't care what district that will enforce a verbal contract where Zuckerberg or where Musk asks Zuckerberg to punch him in the nose? Is there any court in the land that will do this? Because <laughs> I think not. the rebel contract has been made. I just want to see it completed. I do too. I, for charity, it's for charity. So I, again, um, I know here's... What, hundreds of American dollars I would pay to watch this happen. This is what I'm not kidding. 
I solve homelessness. <laughs> this is what Musk said uh, to to uh, about going to his house for the Tesla FS, uh, FSD drive in Palo Alto tonight. I'll ask the car to drive to Twitter name house Zuckerberg. We'll also test X live stream video so you can monitor our adventure in real time. If we get lucky and Zuck, my we put out a tongue emoji. Actually answers the door. The fight is on. The SpaceX founder wrote on X, and then the PR person for Zuck wrote back, "Um, he's not there." So, so, but like, like how silly. Like Zuckerberg, I have to say, did actually try to set up a real fight because he actually, if people don't know and don't haven't listened to us before, he has been training and he's been fighting for a few years now, and he's actually fairly decent at it. So um, Musk got himself into a position he can't get out of, it seems, but he just gets sillier and sillier. At least he's not asking to measure male parts this week. Um, And as long-term listeners might know, um, I don't really care. I just like seeing Nazis get punched in the nose. I just love seeing Nazis get punched in the nose. And um, I think it's safe to, you know, um, there's an old saying if you're sitting, if there's three people at the table and one of them is a Nazi, there's three Nazis sitting at a table. True. And that's why you I'm do sure not ever in any way, <laughs> in any way, there's no plausible reason to be Nazi adjacent. Hi, I'm standing beside a Nazi. There's no reason for that in the world except that you accept the Nazis ideology. And if you accept the Nazis ideology as anything legitimate, you yourself are a Nazi. And this brings us to <laughs> Nazi adjacent advertising. Yeah. So <laughs> not, a couple it's of... not funny, but just so people know when we say Nazi here, it's literally a Nazi. It's literally a Nazi. Somebody who yeah. believes that um, the state should exercise control over the economy and over the rights, direct rights of its citizens, uh, including and, using coercive uh, measures such as concentration camps and death squads. Um, yes, we're and not they've actually it. posted, well, they posted this kind of stuff on the Twitter account, I saw the tweet. So we just wanted people to know we're not using Nazi as a euphemism, it's literally And if you are a brand, including Sports Illustrated, Gilead Sciences, USA Today, uh, the Internet and Television Association, or others, 23 or I think it was, I'm sorry, 60 some others, according to um, the nonprofit Media Matters for America, you, your content was verified to be beside not verifiable Nazi content. And uh, so, yeah, for what it's worth, the Internet and Television Association and interestingly, Gilead Sciences have removed their uh, immediately removed their advertising spend from from X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, others, I believe, are pausing their their ads or considering it. They ought to consider it because you can't be seen to be Nazi adjacent. You just can't. You cannot. And interesting here that Gilead Sciences, I can see them wanting to get the hell away from that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <That's> the name. <laughs> yeah. They, um, and it's not just, you know, it's like numerous brands were not just that one no, Holocaust account, Nazi account. It was others, too. So they've appeared next to multiples. And uh, so they they have permanently, sus- or I don't know if they're permanently, but they're suspended their advertising use on Twitter. 
so it's it's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And that's because, of course, if people don't know, Musk unbanned a lot of Nazi accounts and hate accounts when he uh, took over Twitter. So, yeah. Now this has real implications beyond not being able to see advertisements for Sports Illustrated, Gilead Sciences, USA Today, the National Internet and Television Association, or other um, brands. This has greater implications than that. For instance, Twitter is the, uh, is the great communications platform, the democratizer of communications in the world. And it's also an amazing, like, like for, for search marketers, um, you know the reach that Twitter has. Imagine if you're in a uh, less commercially driven field, such as the sciences, um, for instance, a uh, micro, micro, microbial, <laughs> microbial engineer or ecologist <laughs> at a uh, University Antofagasta in Chile um, said Twitter helped promote her research to uh, people in her country and around the world. Without that platform, she wouldn't be able to get important information um, about uh, about uh, about the ecology of Chile out to Chileans. Similarly, um, there's a number of uh, alerts that need to go out to citizens in northern Canada. Um, small towns, large towns, the, the, the city of Yellowknife, for God's sake, are being being evacuated due to wildfire. Um, Twitter is the communications channel that everybody can get messages through and from. It, uh, it was a great platform, and again, you just can't be Nazi adjacent. So many people aren't even looking at Twitter anymore, much less messaging. Yeah. And a lot of the scientists, just also because of the increase in trolls and things like that, uh, they've just decided not to post anymore or not to tweet. The problem is that there isn't one place they're all going. So I use uh, Twitter, like this, by the way, this report is from the journal Nature, which is one of the most prestigious ones. Uh, but I would use it like during COVID and I'd find scientists who are talking about like, I had long COVID and there's no treatments, but I'd read the scientists what they were experimenting on. And for my fatigue, which was sleeping, you know, Jim, I was sleeping 14 hours a day. I called you and said, I don't know what to do. And uh, they suggested to use baby aspirin because there was microclotting. Nobody had done a major study on this yet, right? So I did that and it worked. And the microclotting must have gone away because my fatigue increased, uh, decreased like 90% in about a week. Um, not that it would work for everybody, but- and Yeah, this is not medical advice whatsoever. No, 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 not whatsoever. This is just- so how I would use like medical Twitter or science Twitter. Um, also, there's a lot about, um, you know, climate change out there from scientists who haven't, you know, you're not going to see their stuff because it's in journals that we never read or don't pay for. But they would be on there talking about it. One guy did a whole uh, 30, 30 thread long uh, thing on how to, how to do PPC masking. And when are you, you know, how do you do it to make sure you're safe? And when are you safe? And and how to put it on and all that sort of stuff. And I learned all sorts of stuff that actually made me feel more comfortable when and I went out in public. You know what else? I knew how learned? to mask. You know what else you've learned from Twitter? You've learned a whole bunch about SEO. You've learned a whole bunch about PPC. You've learned a whole bunch about webmastering. And you've learned a whole bunch about how the internet itself works because of this communications device. But again, one can't be Nazi adjacent. It's impossible yeah. to 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 defend advertising and funding Twitter at this point. I do. I agree. I do think I, I'm just going to, this is just a little bit of a sidebar, but you mentioned it. I do think there's a big loss here too, because back 
um, there, there are moments in Twitter time that have been hugely impactful to people. Mm-hmm. And one of those times was during Hurricane Harvey in Texas. Mm-hmm. And I saw a, a hashtag needs help and nobody was answering anybody. So I started answering people and I started trying to find them help. And then we found people that had set up like quickly in a couple hours ways to rescue people. And there was nobody on the ground that was doing that. And even the Texas Cajun Navy hadn't been, didn't get there yet. And so we use that needs help channel and other channels uh, to get these people help. By the time it was all over, they estimated it was 10,000 people were rescued by people that were on Twitter and then also Facebook, but Twitter mostly, um, because people, that's where they posted that they needed help. And it was such a big deal that the Coast Guard in the United States actually changed how they approach disasters by using social media channels. Sure. That one thing. So we, we were on there for probably a week trying to help people. And uh, it was it was pretty amazing. But something like Twitter is the only thing that can do that or could do that. Now it's a Nazi adjacent. No, yeah, now it's now it's a place that may or may not be used uh, by civil authorities and may or may not be taken seriously by people who uh, yep. who who should be taking who should be receiving urgent messages. And, uh, you know, it's again, may, may or, <laughs> SEOs may or may not share information for other SEOs there because um, it's really hard when a bunch of crackpots just cut you down and uh, talk about the World Economic Forum. <laughs> <laughs> miss, without understanding how it works. Okay. Well, anyway, well, no, we, got, we got two more things on Twitter. We do have to tell people real quick because okay, it does really but, affect like if them. If you're still that using is, TweetDeck, screw you. Yes, as of today, they had threatened to put up a paywall. As of today, there is a paywall, eighty-four dollars a year. You have to pay to use TweetDeck. And by the way, that is how I helped rescue people was using TweetDeck. So I could put up all these columns in TweetDeck and follow them. So, um, yeah, that's unless you want to pay for that. And I don't think a lot of people are going to. Uh, that's that's dead for you unless you pay for it. And then if you have Twitter Blue now called X Premium or something, I'm sorry, I'm just using the old names. But I can't even keep up with this. Well, they are, they're calling it X Premium, but it's Twitter Blue, essentially. Yeah, Twitter Blue. Uh, you will now have to give them your government ID and a picture of you from that day to keep that account. I never got Twitter Blue because I wasn't going to give most any of my money. But for people who did use it for valid reasons, there are people who need it for work and reach and stuff because so, it limits your reach severely and you, you can't do videos and stuff. But you're going to have to put up your, your – he's going to store your ID and your photo on Twitter. And I don't know if I would trust that. I mean, you might, but what do you think, Jim? <laughs> well, I mean, if – the if if how to say this? Um, had – Musk and company not behaved uh, so badly so often in the past. Had he been transparent about his motives and not been doing things on the fly, I would suggest this was the way that he was trying to bring some sort of heavy-handed accountability to people who use Twitter, especially if they want to be verified. But... um, Musk also is training an artificial intelligence to um, uh, work the X platform. We know he wants to diversify that platform to be the platform of all things. And I don't 
think he's being very um, transparent about the reason he needs to have everyone's ID because I don't think he's going to be holding people accountable to what they actually put up on Twitter because he hasn't done it in the past. (laughs) We know he's actually not going to verify it either. So he's like, it's about bots. Well, nation states will just fake IDs. You just put two things together for me. Oh, my gosh. So what the heck does he want this information for? My stomach is churning all the wrong ways. And what? who's his, one of his frenemies, best frenemies? Oh, um, uh, what's his name? Thiel. Um, and, and what does Thiel own? Uh, well, he is a majority holder in PayPal and um, Alt- uh, Palatar. Palatar. And yeah. Is that how you say it? I never know how to say it because I only see it written. Yeah, um, I only see it written to Palatar. I'm so pretty sure. Anyway, that's the... Know, it's a Please. data mining software that's so powerful that nation states use it, including even our government. So if you add your ID with your real photo now to your Twitter account, and I'm not saying you should using that product, but you just struck on something big. Why would he suddenly want it? He's not Indeed. doing it to verify people on the account. He's not going to check that the IDs are real. He doesn't even have staff anymore. So what he's doing is something else. And you're right. I, I would tend to believe, although we don't have any proof of it right now, no, no, but you and I have a pretty good 1, sense. thousand percent go. speculation. Anything yes. I say, I'm saying because I'm a paranoid old man. But I got reason well, also, for this. I got reason know for this. How these things work? We've done this a long time. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, I, I I tend to think you're right. I think he's doing something with the AI training, and possibly even data mining. So yeah. Okay. So everyone, if you really feel the need to be able to write thirty thousand characters or whatever it is now and have reach on Twitter, you know, just be warned that you don't know what he's really doing with your ID. So. That's a, okay. those are the other, those are the two, but I think people needed to know that about that one, especially. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about Google. Just Google, just regular Google, Google Organic. Nice fun, no conspiracy minded stuff. Today. It is fun. Oh my no. god! You know what? Google might be getting a new logo. They might be experimenting oh, with a fun. new yeah. old style logo. Um, <laughs> a logo that sort of harkens back to the earlier, the nicer days of you know the uh, early two Ks. Before Florida happened, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> it does look quite old. It really does. It does, doesn't it though? Like, like very the angular and the way they've they've curved the e at the end looks like so McDonald's in in the 1990s. Yeah, and the and uh, the yeah, it doesn't have it has a harder angular look, and it doesn't look like those letters you put on your refrigerator, which the, the one now does. What I so, want to know uh, is how, how many hours did Marissa Mayer argue about the place, the, the angle of that E? That's what uh, I want to know. Is she still there? I no, no, no. She went, no, she became okay. CEO of Yahoo. Oh, my goodness. No, um, she, she, she went she off. There. Well, she, yeah, she, uh, she had two children. And um, now she's, I don't know what she's doing. I think she's running an, oh. a, um, an, uh, a, a VC firm. But honestly, I'm not positive. Um, I got I got so much respect for Marissa Mayer. I still do, even after Yahoo. Um, extraordinary person. She was number so fourteen the, at Google. Yeah, that's right. The, um, so the logo, you guys can go look at it. It's just I don't know why you would change it. It just looks very dated and kind of weird. The G has weird angles on the top. And the new one, the current one, is like friendly and looks like kids' letters on a refrigerator. So. Well, why would you change your logo? Because. You have a whole new thing coming down to pipes. Yes. And by the way, if you have been wondering why we haven't had any updates since March or April, and we're getting to the end of summer, which is very unusual because they usually do all these updates to get people set up for the holiday season, it is because most likely they have 
a product coming out called Gemini. Although I don't know what's going to be in search. I haven't, I haven't seen specifically everywhere it's going to be. But um, did you find if it was in search, Jim? I know it's in their products for sure. They're going, they're going to be, I know for sure that Gemini is going to be acting a lot like um, Bing Chat does. Um, except it's going to be actually drawing references from search and throwing them into the um, generative text that's coming up on the, on the side. And they're going to create um, images too. Indeed, they're, they're able to go into the image database and, and, and draw images. Now, is it stuff from Google's image database or is it stuff that uh, Gemini is creating on the fly? I don't know. Oh, they say they can create on the fly. I don't know yeah, if they're they doing it in search or not, but they might do it in like PowerPoint or something like that. So we'll with, Google, with Google, you got to be so PowerPoint. careful. That's Microsoft. But... I mean, <laughs> sorry. I mean, the you, Google version. You got to be oh. so careful with Google when it comes to um, the way they word stuff. The word can has a huge array of applications. Can is like, we might do it. <laughs> we could do it. We can do it. Are you doing it? Will you do it? I don't know. We can. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we can. Maybe it could come. Meaning we're testing and we're not sure when we're actually releasing it generally. <laughs> no, but it has been weird that search has been so update free for so long after two years of literally update after update after update. So my guess is this will be somehow applied to search too. Here's one of the things I'm actually excited about with this. Um, the lead of this project itself is Sergey Brin. Sergey right. and Larry stepped yeah. back from the way Google operates itself back, what, in like 20, 2010, 2011, somewhere then. Um, they'd already they'd already brought in, um, what's his name, the adult on the board. Um, he's not there anymore either. Who's the old guy who was always with them? Oh, oh my goodness, uh, Schmidt, Eric, Eric Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah, Eric Schmidt, yeah. So they already brought in Eric Schmidt, um, and they were scaling back their roles as interventionist uh, co-CEOs. Um, and then they retired. They were gone. They left the Googleplex. Um, yep. And things and went to hell. And, they and things went to hell shortly after because these guys, because Larry and Sergey had the vision. I think I think the way it worked out was like Sergey had the vision, and Larry had the elbow grease. Um, and so Bryn's in charge of Gemini. That is really cool. It is. Although, should we move on to the SGE changes? <laughs> sure. So, so uh, I'm struggling here. Um. The I think that the AI should be put under a different, like the LLM modeling should be put under a different tab because it's not search and people do confuse it for search. But also because now they're putting for ads, SGE, then under that people also ask or someone saw today three featured snippets. So if you have a website, good luck getting anyone to click on it. And not only that, they're rolling out something new to help you while you browse, learning while you browse it's called. So if you're in the Chrome browser, and I forget all the locations, like it's specific desktop and then something in mobile, um, they will pop up the SGG on top of your website and summarize it for people. Yep. So what happens to people's websites that rely on clicks, like who have ads or conversions or whatever, you know, I, I do think at this point, Google has crossed a line. I thought SGE was crossing a bit of a line because it's not search and they make it look like search. But putting, if I did that, me personally, and made the browser do that, 
they would they would be hacking like i like, well, i would is... overlay my stuff on somebody else's website that would be called hacking but it's google and it's their chrome so hey it's fine right this is this is the same thing that's happened repeatedly in in pre-ai times to other sectors like the travel sector google moved in started putting um yeah. booking information right on the front page suddenly i don't have to go all through that travel site anymore and they don't get x number of page views from me which are probably substantial given i'm browsing because i'm interested um google google gets that and it's much faster i feel better because you know I, i'm done and i'm off to playing some stupid video game um and uh and i've got my travel stuff booked but the travel site has lost those important eyeballs. Same thing is happening here, except now it's going to be covering everyone. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's a, yeah, I mean, like seriously, I, I'm sorry. I, I we'll call really, that the Facebook effect. Yeah, there's an ethical issue with overlaying your SGE on other people's websites so you can summarize them, and then like also they're like, oh, we can get, we can drop you into the article somewhere. Really, because when a writer writes, often you really need to read the whole thing that the author wrote not just some line out of it because you may not have any idea of the context the setup or the logic so i think i think they have crossed the line i really do i, I don't well, know if you agree with me but i i think they've crossed the line here i what how to say this may they may have they may not have um i don't know yet i have to see how far they've crossed the line what they've done to cross the line what the actual effect is on uh, on 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 traffic um i can tell you what my gut says <laughs> um and it's not, it's, it's 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 not um good but um ai is going to be affecting webmasters and business models of everything like, including the traditional labor business model i have a body i hire it out to somebody for so many hours a day um all of that is going to be disrupted because of AI and it's going to happen really rapidly. So the questions I'm asking in my head isn't, is Google screwing people over? I've, they've already answered that. Yes, they are, but they've done it many times in the past. This is yeah, just a this big is, one. This so, is really, what are they going to do when they don't have a web to train on anymore? Because all the websites went under because of Google put their experience that's, everywhere. That's the whole thing. All the websites won't go under. People will find a way to do business around this. And that's where my head is going now, adaptivity. I don't got to like this. There's a lot of stuff about the web I don't like at all, but my job is to bring as much traffic as possible to my clients. Right, um, but if your clients can't get traffic because they laid an, so, I mean, it is, you do have to click on it. So I better come up with some answers fast is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that people <laughs> yeah. are going to start avoiding Google organic and put paywalls because they don't do this with paywalls. Um, they're going to put paywalls up because, because people won't survive. I mean, I work with a lot of clients who's through ad supported, you know, sites. And people not getting to the site because they read the SG summary. <laughs> Think about that. If well, you went to the when you went to the bookstore, right? And instead of having to buy the book, they put up a summary of everything in the book that you could read while you're in the bookstore. They did. They were called Cole's notes. I don't know no, what they called. They I mean, were called Cliff Notes in America, I in know, Canada, I'm not and the. No, the, 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 the point is they had that or you could read the back of the book or you could watch no, the movie there was tons no. of ways that kids cheated in school and didn't read i'm the not talking book. about cheating at school i'm talking about you go to the bookstore and you mm -hmm. see a book and next to it it tells you everything about the book so you don't need to buy the book i'm not talking about cole's notes or no no, no I mean, the, literally that's the point to go to the bookstore the, the point i'm trying to make christine is either you will buy the book or you'll find a way to cheat 
um, the serious person will, the serious person will find a way to buy the book. Even if the summary is right there, the serious person yeah, will still buy the book. Searching is different. You know, you're searching know. for information. So I know. Different. I'm just saying it's, it's not, I, I'm hoping for a class action lawsuit. I hope the fortune 100s get together and sue them because, and it's what a silly time to do this too. EU wants to break them up. Like literally that's their next move is to tell Google they have to break up. And now they put out something that takes traffic, not only in the search results, but from your actual website. You know, if you want to block Google from taking anything on your website at all, John Mueller this week told you exactly how to do it. Guaranteed <laughs> you will never get Google on your website. That's uh, true. And that's to block, to disable DNS resolution to their IP. You know, I had a client that did that one day, four days before their biggest day of the year. Why would they do that? <laughs> That's insane. Them, I had another domain and I said, here, I have very specific instruction. Only this domain, not your main domain. This one needs, because there was a problem. It was doing some weird thing that was affecting the main site. And <laughs> I wake up and it's like, because it used to take like 48 hours or so. Now uh, it was just instant. <laughs> they were down like 30, 40%, like eight hours. And I was like, what did you do? And they, well, we did this and we took our, and they, I, they took their name off. They took themselves off the DNS. So, so John was, Mueller was, was responding to a, somebody who persistently insisted you could uh, remove a single page from, from Google listings and then and that Google could uh, could do this for them. Just just wouldn't stop. And so I think John jokingly or exasperatingly jokingly says back, well, look, here's what you do. Just, you know, disable DNS resolution entirely. You're probably solved within two days. <laughs> yeah. John's been a little John's been a little funny this past week. He has. He's been he's been salty yeah. as heck, hasn't he? Yeah. I, I'm been, loving it. Been, I do. He's been he, I mean, gosh, his job, right? I mean, I try to bother him as little as possible. Um, I do bother him sometimes, but uh, yeah, his job, like it's funny seeing the interchange. And lately he's he's been a salty, salty, uh salty pirate. <laughs> and, and and the funny thing is, um, John Mueller is, I um, don't want to stretch the word here, but I'd say he's an expert in how Google works. Um, and there, he can be in a active live conversation with somebody saying it goes ABC. Promise you, it's ABC. And the person in the conversation is insisting it's XYZ. And they won't get off it. Yeah. it, it it's maddening. It Could is you imagine? Yes, yeah, so I mean, some people make is, money off of those things that aren't true. There is no other John Mueller in the entire world. <laughs> like <laughs> you, you, So anyway, one of the ones that they wouldn't get off of this week was um, the idea that you absolutely need your keywords or brand name in your domain name. That, that, that's a make or break thing for SEO. It's not. There's a whole bunch of reasons why it's extremely helpful to have your brand name, your, your company name in your uh, business URL. A whole bunch of good reasons to do that, but SEO is not necessarily one of them. Um, no, it's not. I mean, there are reasons marketing-wise you might want to do that. But. Oh, unquestionably. Um, and, it, and it may actually be helpful in an SEO it may be, but it's not a make or break thing. You're not going to be off of the charts because of this one thing. But um, we have we have we have something else. John said this week is pretty important too. 
Oh, this was a fun one, though. I really actually I, I like and appreciated this one. Um, you know how you 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 got to argue back against certain clients who are like domain authority, blah, 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 blah. And because yeah. domain authority, Google says this. Well, OK, cool. <laughs> let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Domain authority may be a perfectly valid metric if you know exactly how they calculate domain authority and what it means in relation to the things you're looking at. Or you just compare ups and downs in the product. You know, it's like it was at 60, now it's 30. That's probably a bad thing. But it's not officially anything Google does. Yeah, Google doesn't care about domain authority. Mm -mm. If you can improve your website using that metric, Google is happy you've improved your website. But it's not because of domain authority. Sure. <laughs> true. Very true. We, so, we, oh, sorry. Yeah, go no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, John Mueller did some SEO myth-busting um, this week. And one of the things is Google doesn't necessarily worry about third-party tool scores. In fact, it doesn't. Google uses its own Not tool even Lighthouse. Scores, not even Lighthouse. Even though Lighthouse is modeled directly after tools that Google uses, Google doesn't care what Lighthouse says. But if you know how Lighthouse works and you can understand it in relation to your documents, then it could be a perfectly valid tool for you to use. But don't say Lighthouse, blah, 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 Google, because that don't mean nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of things John said this week, uh, we should discuss about his rehash comment. Yeah, indeed, eh? Um, and this, yeah, this should, be, this should be like perfectly obvious. Yeah, well, it's if, not, though, because most people don't think, don't know how LLMs work, so. Large language models are not creative. They only look creative because they have a very, very, very large corpus of information to draw inference in how a sentence should should complete itself. Yes, how words should relate to each other. And they have a database of, as far as we know, everything that was ever written before September 2000. 2021. That's ChatGPT. There are others that may have been trained on other corpuses of knowledge that we don't necessarily know a lot about, right. and they may be out there. I don't know. So we can't say with certainty about that at all. So guarantee, 100% guarantee, there's no possible way it works differently. That just cannot work differently. If you got um, AI writing your content, it's regurgitating stuff that's already there. Yes, that's my new term, by the way. It you know what? Oh, go ahead. I'll finish after. Moreover, there's, there's a moreover to this. When you see food on your plate, if you're like me, kind of, kind of sort of autistic, it's arranged very specifically because that's the way I like it. So you got my greens over here and I got my, my meats over here and I got my pastas over here. And you know what I mean? Like I got my grains here and they're a little bit separated from each other. But the moment they go into my stomach, it all gets mooched up together, right? So what do you think happens when I eat too much and vomit? <laughs> I it just comes out and it might be what it's supposed to look like. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh so I want to quickly tie this to something, and that is the helpful content update. And so I realized this week the help content update is to identify regurgitated content. 
And if you look at it, there's about six things in there that AI can't meet. And there's other types of content can't meet it either. It's not just AI. But it is looking at regurgitated content because Panda was low quality, right? So you already have a content algorithm, but it's looking for regurgitation. And so John has said, if you're just rehashing stuff, that's not really good content, no matter how well it's written by like ChatGPT or as another program because it was trained to sound human and very confident uh, because the LLMs can't go outside what they're trained on. So it, it has to be a regurgitation of what exists. And so he basically told people, you're starting from a bad place. Great content isn't automatically going to rank well, but making terrible content rank well is much harder. Starting with this kind of anchor pulling you down in an area that's already where there's already a lot of reasonable press, even great content out there is a recipe for failure. There's a longer quote. It's on a Search and Roundtable article by Barry, but that's the gist of it. So, so I have been telling people I think the helpful content update is related, and this is my opinion. But if you look at the helpful content ranking system, and you look at it, you will see AI content really can't meet that, especially because it says a lot about original, unique, um, insights, personal experience. Those are all things AI can't do. So I would be cautious about putting that on your site unedited. Humans can edit it to make it that way. But then again, why don't you just write it at that point? My feeling. But you definitely need your human writers. Everything AI generated that goes on your website that Google sees has to be edited by humans at some point. The reason, the reason you wouldn't get humans to write all that content is sometimes you just have a lot of content you need to write. <laughs> but if you got AI writing it and you're not editing it, like AI is an amazing compiler. There's no question about that. It compiles information extraordinarily. Doesn't necessarily compile exactly accurate information 100% of the time extraordinarily, although it's getting much, much better. And you yourself as an AI prompter can make yourself better um, at, at, ferret, at helping it order information. But at the same time, it's filling in the blanks. It's, it's filling in the way the sentence is supposed to statistically go. So, yeah. so and there's, there's cases when it shouldn't necessarily go that way because as any cook knows, changing a recipe just a little bit sometimes makes it really special. Yeah, well, you definitely, definitely from what John is saying, because this is, Matt Cutts used to like hit big sites first and then explain, and that was like your warning shot. A lot of people were like upset with what John said, like rehash, it's not, anyway, the point is, I think this is your warning shot. That HCU is actually, um, just my opinion, going to be looking at your content, because he's saying it's an anchor pulling you down now. You know, originally it was like, hey, I work fine with it as long as it's all these things that I can't do. And now they're saying, oh, it's an anchor that's going to pull you down if you're just putting it on your website. And there's one other thing, by the way, outside of the John thing. Uh, real quick comment so people know. Uh, ChatGPT may be going broke. So well, you may not be able to use it much longer. Well, or the um, the cost of usage is probably going to increase substantially. Um, I don't. I, they may be going broke. I don't see anybody allowing them to completely go out of business unless no. somebody wants to buy them at fire sale prices. Well, and remember, can you imagine by, the forty nine percent. Yeah, forty nine percent by Microsoft. But the, the other thing is that it's seven hundred thousand dollars a day to run ChatGPT. Is that all? And he, yeah. <laughs> like honest and to God, he, is that all? If it's seven hundred thousand a day, that that could easily be made up in corporate accounts. Well, I can't, I can't except, imagine. Well, that's what that's what the stat is right now from the article I have, but the um, 
he wants to move into AGI and he may just decide he doesn't want to keep putting that amount of money into ChatGPT. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But right now it is on the verge of bankruptcy. So is OpenAI. Um, so we'll see what they decide to do. Uh, AGI is the one, if, for people who don't know, is the one that the scientists are all very concerned about and wrote all those letters about. They didn't write about like ChatGPT4. They're worried about um, uh, GPT-5, which could be artificial general intelligence, which is very different. Also, they put in a trademark for uh, GPT-5, even though they said they weren't going to be working on it. So here's a uh, very real, like this, this, you can't argue numbers here. That should put the, um, the Sam Altman and crew, but should make a little bit scared. It's been um, the first six months after Bing uh, introduced um, ChatGPT into its search engine, it got a bump. But today, its market share is actually lower than when it was where it was today in 2022. It's oh, lost wow. share over the last year. So well, people went to it and were like, wow, this is really cool. And then stopped going to it. <laughs> like, well, remember we talked about it. They were up 14% in usage, but they hadn't gotten any extra market share a, a few months ago. So they were paying a lot more for something that didn't attract new users. And so, yeah, it's unfortunate because Bing really is a pretty good search engine, but it just, for the life of it, it cannot find the way to get people to come use it and stay. Well, so. Yeah, and the uh, it's um, nuclear bomb shot across Google's bow might have caused Google to um, introduce a gajillion AIs all at once and stumble its way across the stage for a couple of months. But in reality, Google didn't actually stumble that much. And Bing has, um, yeah, it's it, Bing is again working to keep up. Um, I got a feeling Google's actually probably going to win the AI race because they're taking it more seriously. Well, we've talked about that, right? Google was the adult in the room. People thought they were behind, but they forget that ChatGPT was developed off a paper that Google Research wrote about making dil dilettantes out of something. I forget exactly all the words. But uh, that's where it came from. So my thought was always that they were trying to be the adult and just release it in products as productivity tools and assistance, which is basically how they've approached it. And then ChatGPT was the kid who's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then Bing jumped into the market like, oh, we could use this to get, you know, do better in search. But the winner is going to be the one, I think, who rolls it out into products and makes it simple and easy to use inside what you already know how to use. Um, instead of just as a text LLM model. That's my my think my thinking on it. At the, at the same time, we are still looking at vast um, sectors of the economy that are, if not outright threatened, already losing their jobs uh, because of AI. Um, yeah. There was a uh, a large customer service, a, a, a customer service, um, a phone bank in uh, New Brunswick has replaced uh, all of its staff with AI recently. Um, now that's, that was um, for, for that province of, of Canada, um, call centers were, were an economic boon about 10 years ago, 15 years ago at the dawn of the e-com age. Um, those jobs are being replaced by AI and not in the small scale, but on a fairly large scale. Um, so this is still happening. Um, and it's stuff that 
like it or not, we as a society need to figure ways to adapt to it fairly rapidly. So either you as a worker need to adapt to it or you as a community need to adapt to it. Either way, you got to adapt to it. We also need to get rules and regulations in place. So that's, that, part, that's part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. But rules and regulations take a lot longer than the tidal wave. We ought to have a wave. We ought to have a rule against those tsunamis or at least know what we're going to do when they happen. Problem is, you don't know you need to until the tsunamis happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And we didn't get to talk about it today, but I will mention this because it's relevant. I was at DEF CON this past week, and DEF CON has a policy village now uh, where people come and talk about policy, opening doors between um, governments and basically the hackers that are there. And in the past, that's been about like not arresting uh, good hackers who are doing like bug bounties or something. But now, because of AI and that an AI village, they're starting to talk to those people. And they're opening that line of communication. And that is direct. Apparently, I did not see this, but in the final report, I believe there were eight people from Congress that came. And then uh, Biden's uh, main, uh, I, I don't know what her official role is, but basically policy person for tech came. And they all sat in the room, gave speeches, and then had conversations. And I think that's a really nice bridge between the normal barriers between uh, what we know and what they know. So it was nice to see that. That was really nice of them to show up. But did, did they have cell phones on them? Uh, <laughs> I managed not to get hacked this year. Congratulations. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the fun thing about DEF CON. Um, uh, uh, you must be incredibly careful because um, if you have it's anything that can be hacked, you're going to be hacked. Yeah, I mean, Faraday, Faraday cage your credit cards, for God's sake. Just be safe. But hey, so we can preview a little bit because I know we're coming to the end here. Just real quick, we can preview going forward. Uh, I did talk to some AI researchers who specifically work with LLMs while I was there, and we're going to have them on the show, and including someone from the AI resistance. Yep. Now, yeah, quick, quick, quick warning to listeners ahead of time. We're not quite sure how to treat um, these guests. There's a good deal of, um, what's the right word? Uh, subtlety necessary when having these conversations, because these are, these are actually the, the people who do the um, penetration testing. Um, if yeah, anyone can tell you how to screw over society with AI, it's these guys. And for that reason, they themselves are under um, some fairly strict guidelines of where they can and cannot go in conversation. Well, and yes, and also some one will be anonymous because they work for a big company. And they these aren't people that are nefariously trying to attack the models. These are people trying to protect LLM uh, models from hacking like data poisoning and prompt injection and things like that and they can discuss the LLMs in great detail um, so people better understand them because they are a big part of our lives now but and you, then they you can remember, also talk you about how, how you yeah remember how whenever Matt Cutts would say anything about Google anything at all yeah like everybody would listen good and bad yeah um, same thing with these guys <laughs> so yeah. they know what they're talking about they're, they're literally they live their lives in large language models and and how you protect them and how they can be attacked, but also how they work, you know, so, because they know, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions in our industry and, our, you know, I don't know if our listeners are all industry, but um, about how they work. So you could hear it directly from the people that work with it every day. Okay. So that's coming up on Webcology. We also have a couple mm -hmm. of the uh, old timey set uh, people who've been around for a very long time um, as uh, talk a good deal about Florida. 
Um, and hopefully, hopefully, we're going to have um, also a, a few of the a few new voices in SEO coming up in the next few months. Uh, we're going to see how all these go. We love having guests on the show, um, but we have gone full clock. Uh, here on here on Webcology on WMR.fm, it is uh, top of the hour when this podcast was recorded, uh, well, basically live to podcast on the seventeenth of August, twenty twenty three. On a uh, personal note, happy fiftieth birthday, Karen. My 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 baby sister is fifty oh, years happy old today. Happy birthday, Karen. Um, yeah, she's my baby sister, so uh, that Aww. can tell that sort of ages me to the audience. Um, okay, so folks. Be well, rank well, be kind to each other, uh, read up on on search, and uh, have a great week. We will talk to you next week. On behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites of the Walls, <laughs> this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stay well. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.